This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Listening to We Saw the Devil, an investigative and conversational true crime podcast that deep dives into fascinating criminal cases that are solved, unsolved, or ongoing. From America's Lori Vallow to Jeremy's Armin Mivas, we examine and discuss the world's most shocking cases. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to follow us online. Check us out at WeSawTheDevil.com and We Saw the Devil on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget, you can become part of the show by backing us on Patreon. Hello, everyone. You are listening to We Saw the Devil. I'm your host, Robin, and I am back with another episode to make you wonder if Earth and the human race are in fact worth saving after all. We're moving on to episode five of the Chris Chan Saga series. And as promised last week, this is when pretty much everything starts to go completely off the rails. So strap in, make sure you don't have any kids listening nearby, grab a drink, a spliff, whatever you do to dull the pain and disgust, you're going to need it. And let's do this. Before we get into it, let's just get the usual housekeeping out of the way. First and foremost, We Saw the Devil is officially on TikTok, and I posted the first video. It's a promo for this series, so if you want to see a couple clips of Chris Chan live in in the flesh, go there to do so. The handle is We Saw the Devil Podcast, just like the Instagram, so please go give it a follow. I'm going to do weekly videos, some case updates, and promos for episodes, and they're all going to be posted on TikTok. There will also be some behind-the-scenes stuff and some giveaways for free merch, stickers, and so forth, so you definitely won't want to miss it. And of course, the website is WeSawTheDevil.com. And from there, you can find all of the other social media channels as well. The next episode is coming out on Saturday. Iris and I are actually going to be recording tonight, Friday. Life has kind of gotten in the way and been pretty busy, so things have gotten pushed back, but it is finally in motion. And I'm super excited. It's always so amazing to have one of my oldest friends join me to talk about current events. And by oldest, I mean longest friend, not oldest in age. Love you, Iris. But yeah, the next episode is going to be about the Carly Russell case, uh, the Montgomery, Alabama brawl, which holy shit, the memes that have come out of that have just been chef's kiss, like wonderful, hilarious. Also going to touch upon an active serial killer in Portland, Oregon. And then I don't know if you guys have heard about the incident with the baby in the hospital, I believe it was in Georgia, touching on that as well, because it is one of the most horrifying things I have ever heard of in my entire life. I think that's all the updates that I have for now, so let's go ahead and get into it. Alrighty, so we left off on last week's episode with online trolls from Encyclopedia Dramatica and 4chan beginning to go ham on Chris Chan's social media and email accounts. Like, lots of hacking, doxing, both private conversations and nudes were stolen and then uploaded online. Y'all, the general public as a whole learned that Chris Chan saved his semen when he masturbated so that he can, quote, 
recycle it by keeping it in the family fridge and then eventually ingesting it. It also became known that he would frequently, quote, have anal leakage and defecate in his genes and then leave those feces-filled genes all around his home for his mother to find and wash. The last episode covered just one year in Chris's life, 2008. And that was just the pre-game slash precursor for what would be coming in 2009. Now, we have a lot of ground to cover here, so let's get into it. When I say that we covered the whole year of 2008 in the last episode, almost true. We covered up through October. So let's start with the tail end of 2008 in October. On October 14th, the troll Panda Halo created a subsite from Sonichu.net, Chris's site, called Sonichu Fans. Panda added IRC, or Internet Relay Chat. For those of you who don't know, it was kind of a real-time option used on websites and forums for a chat room. But back in early 2000, it was super popular. Chris, feeling like he seemingly had a real fan club made up of a lot, especially a lot of girls, he would join them to talk about anime and answer random questions from his quote unquote fans. And that fact is quite important for later on in this episode. If you also remember from the last episode, Chris was in an online relationship with a girl named Blanca Weiss. And Blanca Weiss didn't actually exist. The Blanca persona was actually an account and identity assumed by at least three different trolls. Their sole purpose was to get possession of the Sonichu and Rosechu medallions. And using Blanca as a sort of honeypot, they got Chris into an online relationship and then got him to mail them at least five medallions, including the original Sonichu one that Chris had worn around his neck for years, as well as a backup of it. They also received the original Rose Chew medallion, Black Sonichu, and Jigliami uh, ones as well. On October 20th, Blanca uploaded a video to YouTube. She revealed herself to be a male internet troll going by the name Icarus69 and broke up with Chris publicly. And jokingly, obviously. In the YouTube video, Icarus is shown destroying the medallions that Chris had sent Blanca in numerous different ways. He stabbed it with a knife. He sliced it into pieces. He had it fillet a pickle. He put it in a pickle jar. He crushed it with a hammer. He then set it on fire and urinated on it in the grand finale. Chris, as you can imagine, uh, you know, in his mind, he was giving his medallions the symbols of who he was as a human being of his quote unquote life work, giving it to his one true love, his sweetheart. So he was devastated. But not for the reasons that you'd think. He somehow believed that Blanca was still real and published his own YouTube video the very next day in response, going off on the trolls who got Blanca to break up with him. Why would he think that when Icarus69, the troll, had all the medallions that Chris had specifically sent to Blanca? Well, Chris believed that the people responsible for destroying the medallions just simply lived near Blanca and intercepted the mail. Now, a couple other things happened at this time. Chris had been steadily morphing into the butt of the entire internet's joke. A week and a half later on Halloween, trolls took it real life. Someone actually planted a poster on the lawn of Chris Chan's house that read Encyclopedia Dramatica and had a drawing of a black man in a pickle suit. If you recall, a couple trolls back on MySpace uh, would flirt with Chris, hit on Chris, record the conversations, post them publicly, and then at least at least one changed their profile photo to a man in a pickle suit. 
early November, the Quickie was founded. That's C-W-C-K-I. And this, not going to lie, full transparency is where I'm getting a lot of information about this. And for those of you who've never heard of Christian before, it's a whole freaking community of people. Now, this was founded, it's in wiki format, you know, because Chris Chan's entry on Encyclopedia Dramatica was becoming too big. It was coming, becoming too long, cluttered. So a user created the quickie so that it could have links and subpages and categories. If you want to check it out, I mean, this is the Bible for Christorians, people who discuss and uh, understand Chris Chan's history. You have an almost weekly documentation of every aspect of Chris Chan's life up until the, uh, the legal incident, we're going to call it right now. In some instances, you have day-to-day documentation, but it's there if you want to read, go through it, if you want any clarification on a person or a troll or something's a little confusing, go to the quickie. You can go to sonichu.com slash C-W-C-K-I. That's sonichu, S-O-N-I-C-H-U dot com slash C-W-C-K-I. So in November of 2008, troll Vivian Gee wrote a 50,000 word novelette for NaNoWriteMo. Uh, For those of you who are unfamiliar, it's trying to get writers to write more and so on and so forth. In that piece, again, 50,000 word little mini novel, there's a character who is eerily similar to Chris. And that character eventually becomes the leader of the entire world. There's a Vivian Gee-like character. She's constantly trying to teach Chris to make good choices and do things the right way. Vivian Gee had that novel printed out and mailed physically to Chris's home address. She asked Chris to read it, let her know what he thought. But Chris never did. Chris never touched it. He never opened it. And he even admitted to that a year later. In November is where the trolling starts to get a little more intricate. And I realize this may be confusing y'all. So if you have any questions, don't hesitate to email them at info at we saw the or leave a comment on social media because I know there's a lot going on here. So in late November, while talking to Chris via IRC, Vivian told him about a Sonichu fan from Australia named Ryan Cash. She said that Ryan was so devastated that Chris wouldn't be making any more Sonichu comics while the Encyclopedia Dramatica page was up. I mean, that's obviously bullshit and it was dramatic, but Chris believed it. There was again no mention of Ryan Cash until mid-December, and Vivian again brought it up, this time relaying a message from Ryan Cash's parents, telling Chris they hoped he wasn't terribly upset by the death of their son. Chris was kind of touched by this, so he did a shout-out to Ryan Cash's family in one of his update videos. And he also announced on a video chat on PlayStation 3 on PlayStation Home. And he also mentioned Ryan Cash's death on a video chat on PlayStation 3 on PlayStation Home. Now, I don't know how many of y'all remember PlayStation Home, but that was my jam. My ex-girlfriend and I used to flip it over like whenever we were bored at home and it was late at night. I would get bored with whatever game I was playing or it was just too late to really do anything. And what it was is that people could use their PlayStation camera and create video chat rooms. I mean, anyone could join. Anyone could watch you. It was just a chat room where anyone could turn on their PlayStation camera and just talk. And the person, so Chris in this instance, would see the comments and could respond to them, but he couldn't you know, hear or verbally speak to anyone else. So imagine someone doing a solo live on Instagram or YouTube. I saw so much insane shit on PlayStation Home 
I saw one guy drinking and ranting until he passed out. I mean, he literally crumpled like a sack of potatoes and hit his couch and then hit the ground. Uh, hopefully he's still alive. Hopefully he lived. I don't know. His stream just kept going and he was passed out on the ground. Uh, we saw people beat their children. Like we actually witnessed people beat their children. We saw people play board games. Others tried to educate. Some talked about video games. Some had trivia challenges. A lot of people would just, you know, sit there, chill, talk about their lives and uh, music. And I never enjoyed any of it. I didn't watch any of it to, to, to learn anything or become part of a community. I mean, it was quite literally like going to the zoo. It was wild. It was a weird, wild west of just trashy people. And I hate saying that. That makes me sound like kind of an asshole, but it's kind of true. So in any case, Chris Chan decided to host a chat on PlayStation Home. Again, we're in late December, and the chat is scheduled for January 2nd. So on December 30th, a girl named Cassie messaged Chris and told him that she and her friend Sarah had created a forum called Sonichu Girls for female Sonichu fans. Being that that forum was supposedly for only female friends of Sonichu, and that Chris was unable to contain his loin fire from the possibilities of all of his hot female fans, he immediately headed over to the forum, logged in, and introduced himself. His introduction is as follows, and bear with me on this. I'm going to read all of it, and it's kind of long, but it contains a lot of foreshadowing in the Chris Chan saga, and it's actually kind of interesting that there are so many themes that just keep resurfacing over and over again. Now, spoiler alert, I'm just going to go ahead and give you one. Chris Chan now goes by Christine Chandler. So Chris did, in fact, become a trans woman almost 10 years later from the events that we're discussing in this episode. So spoiler alert there in case you were unaware or maybe you've watched the Chris Chan promo that I published and you're like, wait, why is he why does he have long hair and dressing and sounding like a woman? And that is why is that Chris did actually socially transition 10 years after uh, what we're talking about in this episode. So a girl by the name of Cassie emailed Chris said, Hey, we love you. We created a forum just for female Sonichu fans. We'd love it if you would join. Chris joined and his introduction is as follows. Yes, it's your man of the way more than an hour. I got the email from Cassie Rosechu, So I followed the address. Y'all are just simply the sweetest. I've read that my accent and voice was a favorited feature. I've rarely thought that my voice was alluring, although in my humble opinion, it sounds like a direct match to Sonic the Hedgehog. And when singing, I can have a Frank Sinatra or Bing Crosby flavor. I mean, side note, you guys remember the Backstreet Boys rendition of I Want a Girlfriend? Ain't the case. I digress. He says, anyway, I'll pour a pint of my heart just for y'all. Honestly, I don't know why I'm still single either. Even my own mother finds me handsome. Yet sometimes after she reminds me of that, I reply, if I'm so handsome, why won't any women in person approach me? During my sweetheart search, while I'm waiting to be personally approached by an 18-year-old boyfriend-free, caring, smoke-free, non-alcoholic white girl to make into a sweetheart from the ground up. I did feel lonesome. Yet at the end of each time out to the location, I did feel a sad moment. But I take it with a, that's okay, maybe next time attitude. But I can tell y'all understand from my past actions that I am honest, dedicated, and true. And I truly appreciate that. If anything, this is exactly a neutral fact that I would wish to be fully understood among the worldwide fan base. Aside from that understood fact, I feel that I am truly in touch with my feminine side. 
to the point where I am capable of learning from that to better understand how to treat a woman in a caring, nurturing, positive way. I've also learned from Red Skelton of how to be a gentleman. Sometimes I wonder between my caring attitude and the lack of a sweetheart if I was born the wrong gender. I would wonder what life would have been like if I had actually been born a girl. But afterwards, I'd realize that I should still appreciate being born a boy to gentlemen. God gave me the package and I signed for it. Another thing I feel I should bring up is my honest feelings to validate my being straight, although that goes without saying. I honestly feel more comfortable around women because y'all are mostly more sympathetic and caring to another's feelings. Y'all are mostly honest in your conversations. Y'all are emotionally better and stronger than the majority of the male population, and simply put, y'all are simply fun and a delight to be around. And while it is true, and I am not ashamed to admit it, that I have seen my share of porn, I have learned how to better positively treat a woman before, during, and after the act. I would definitely stay until she woke up, and I would call her back later to see how her day was. And I have and would put the seat up and back down when I use the restroom she would use later. But I digress. When it comes to the private parts, be they covered or not, I look more at the female parts, and definitely her face, because not only of my being straight, but everyone is truly a masterful work of God's art that is simply beautiful in their own way. But even more beautiful beyond that, which makes it truly a wondrous design, are the individual personalities. I care more about every woman's feelings and opinions over their own body. On the flip side, I feel discomfort around men because they can be such mean and cruel jerks. I could go on with what I detest about them, but I will not stoop to their level of cruelty. Also, I feel discomfort when shopping for underwear for myself. They do not need models pictured on the package. It grosses me out to see that thing. It's bad enough that I sometimes see my own when I look down, of which I don't feel as much discomfort, but the very sight of others is like kryptonite to me. It makes me feel like throwing up even when the image randomly pops up in my head. Sigh. I'm okay. I just took some deep breaths. I want to thank y'all again for treating me like a king, not just with respect, but with emotional understanding of my feelings. And y'all do not need to feel inhibition in personally approaching me in public. Shoot, I would honestly feel flattered and would personally and emotionally benefit from it. Y'all know I live in Rutgersville, Virginia, and I can be found in the Charlottesville area when I'm out and about. Please feel free to say hi or offer a hug or whichever you feel is comfortable at the moment. Just a few minutes later, two of the quote-unquote gals replied to Chris's introduction. Cassie Rosechew, the one who emailed Chris, said, Chris, I'm 20, but I'm a virgin still. I've been saving myself for someone who loves me, and I really want to find someone who's as sensitive as you, but I guess that's too hard, so I'll just save myself for you. A gal can dream. Crystal Rosechew replied, quote, Virginity is a special thing. You can't just pop the cork for any occasion. Likewise, I'm a virgin. I want to save it for someone special. Maybe Chris? Chris's response was ridiculous, as you can imagine. He said, quote, Y'all are so sweet, and Crystal is correct. My virginity is special, just like everyone else's, and I would want my first time to be special. I do not mean to start a conflict among all y'all angels, but in my humble opinion, if I were to choose one among y'all, I'd give my virginity to either Cassie or Sarah. Cassie led me to the forum, and Sarah's the one who put it together in the first place. But to be fair, I'm open to any of y'all who are capable of coming to meet me in real life. You all each, in your own way on here, have already wowed and won me over honestly and openly. XOXOXO. In due time, upon your own individual capabilities, I would love very much to personally meet and hang out with each and all of you. Sweet ladies. 
if y'all aren't careful, you could turn me from a frustrated virgin to a stud. I feel so elated and blessed. So there's a lot to unpack there, and I just really want to throw away the whole fucking suitcase, but let's just go ahead and discuss it. Chris is immediately pulling the women are so amazing. I love them so much. And by doing so, it's an attempt at justifying his straightness. That ultimately is at the root of almost everything that Chris does. You'll go ahead and notice this. And this is something that I haven't mentioned in previous episodes. I haven't divulged that other than in the very, very, very first episode that he is now Christine Chandler, a trans woman. If you are really strict on pronouns, there is a reason why I'm referring to Chris as he. Chris admits in this chat to being disgusted by seeing his own penis, but very much so, even more so, being disgusted by seeing other men, even just on underwear packaging. And it's also one of the biggest instances of him admitting that he has some semblance of gender dysphoria. And this is something that Chris has been saying since he was a teenager. He has hated men. He has remarked millions of times that men are cruel and careless and not loving and awful. And the earliest documentation or reasoning for this is merely that some men attract girlfriends. And in Chris's view, Chris is very angry and jealous of other men for having marriages and relationships and for having sex, being sexually active with women. He actually resents men for that. And so he uses seeing men treat women like shit. He uses that as his crutch and his reason of men are terrible. I hate them because let's face it. Every man that Chris has known in his life, uh, he has his father, Bob, who Bob was also on the spectrum. Bob was a huge narcissist, brilliant mind, huge narcissist. As soon as he realized that Chris's autism was to a degree where he uh, was on the you know mild, low to mild functioning level. He didn't try to help his son. He didn't get his son therapy. He didn't get his son special education, aids, uh, tutors, anything like that. He just, Bob basically just said, fuck it. I want nothing to do with you. So instead, his parents just basically bought him any sort of anime or cartoon, movies, his fantastical world that he created, that Chris created and retreated to in his life, was completely enabled by his parents. His mother was a hoarder, not even present. And his own father, after Chris grew up into his early teen years, basically just said, to hell with it. And his own father, I mean, his father was an engineer, a mechanical engineer. He even built a shed in the backyard and outfitted it with a lab and tools and stuff so that he and Chris could build things together. And then when it became, again, clear that Chris was unable intellectually to, to do that, he pretty much said, well, fuck it, I'm done, whatever, enjoy your video games, and did the bare minimum. So his dad was not a role model in his life. The men in his life bullied him in school and whatnot horribly. At that time, in the early and mid-80s, there wasn't a lot of support for neurodivergent children. Not a lot was actually done for them. And, you know, even today in 2023, there's so much more to be learned. And not all schools have support. I have multiple friends who are in the public school system, and some of them, a lot of schools, don't have the funding or programs for children in need. And I say it in almost every single episode of how Chris was let down, and he sincerely was, as a human being, completely let down by all of those around him. So he never really had a good male role model. And that's always been kind of at the center of the debate of why Chris hates penis 
why he's homophobic. Okay, well, Bob was a homophobe. Bob was a ra- uh, racist. Where did Chris learn to hate his own body? In any case, this is one of the biggest and first instances of him publicly admitting that he has some semblance of gender dysphoria, of being uh, uncomfortable in his body and wishing that he had been born a girl. Now, also at this time, Chris received an email from Takashi Tezuka, uh, who was the general producer of Animal Crossing at the time. And that is true. That is the name of the real person who worked at Nintendo, who was the general producer of uh, Animal Crossing Cityfold. So this Takashi person tells Chris that Nintendo wanted to bring Sonichu and Rosechu on to Animal Crossing. He said that his team had been working on developing them for the game, but that they walked off of their private server and entered the public game for a bit and have disappeared. Now, that makes absolutely zero fucking sense if you know a single thing about the computer. It's clearly a troll, but Chris believed it. Chris then began to talk to Takashi Tezuka regularly, trying to strike a deal with him about uh, Animal Crossing and Sonichu. The day after receiving this email, Chris has a long IRC chat with the girls from the Sonichu fangirl forum. It included members like Blue Spike, Cassie, Sarah, and others. Now, Blue Spike had been a fixture in all of the Chris Chan spaces online, but in this chat, revealed that their name was Julie. Blue Spike was a tiny bit flirtatious, so of course, Chris decided to take things private, and they began to speak to each other outside of IRC. The next day, there's another IRC chat. Panda Halo, Julie, Sarah, and a couple other randos are all in it. Julie confronts Chris about still dating Panda, and when Panda and Julie piled on, Chris said that he loved Sarah more. Then Sarah called him out for flirting with the other two, which made Chris say, oh, just kidding, I choose Panda. It was kind of a hilarious clusterfuck of all of these random women who were actually trolls pretend fighting over Chris, pledging their virginities to him, saying that they loved him and pretending to be really angry and upset, and Chris doing his damnedest to please them all and save face. Blue Spike, aka Julie, said that she was going to kill herself because of Chris and that she would be seeing Ryan soon, alluding to Ryan Cash, the fan who supposedly killed himself over Chris not posting any new comics. She then left the chat with Chris following soon thereafter, claiming that he had to finish his newest comic. Except they apparently got onto Skype, and this is the first documented Skype call between Julie, aka Blue Spike, and Chris. Julie told Chris that she was living in her home country of Mulvania, which isn't even a real country. It does not exist. A quick Google search could have told Chris that, but he believed it. He didn't even question it. She said that she was living in her home country of Mulvania, but would be moving to the United States soon. And again, Chris just ate it up and believed her, and he would fantasize about all the stuff that they would do together. Their first Skype chat was flirtatious, but fairly appropriate. And he did end up finishing the comic that night, and it was released to the public the following day. It included characters based on his gal pals from the Sonichu uh, Girls fan group, Blanca Weiss, and it also included an illustration by Panda Halo. And of course, the comic was getting more sexualized again. It's issue 18. You have a rose chew that can put people to sleep with a nectar she excretes from her vagina. Uh, You have lots of sex. You have a character that's a hermaphrodite with both male and female hedgehog genitalia. It had some truly out there shit in it. Meanwhile, Chris was still talking to Takashi from, quote-unquote, Takashi from Nintendo, who claimed that he wanted to meet Chris in Redmond, Washington, which, if you recall from previous episodes, 
Nintendo was very vocal about its headquarters being in Redmond, Washington, and actually given away a tour of its offices and sweepstakes and challenges and stuff like that. Chris still thought that he was talking to Takashi from Nintendo. Takashi was like, yeah, we'd love to meet you, talk more about this venture with Sonichu coming into Animal Crossing, and invited him to Redmond. Takashi then connected Chris with his lawyer, and they started to plan the trip. Chris was super upset, claimed his family was too poor for airfare, uh, said that he was running everything by his mother, Barb, and Barb decided that she wanted to be his chaperone for the trip, and so they talked about it. Then, a man by the name of Greg Mays emailed Chris, claiming to be the lead web developer for Nintendo, and said that they need Chris to update Sonichu.net in preparation for Animal Crossing Sonichu release. Chris ended up giving them full access to his website, login, passwords, the whole bit. And of course, the trolls immediately locked Chris out of his own website. And Chris's gal pals in the Sonichu uh, Girls fan club, they would consistently call him gay. I mean, they were mean to him. These quote unquote girls, his gal pals, were mean to him. But Chris, just being excited that they were A, women, and B, the photos that they sent Chris of themselves were just random pictures of attractive women they found online. Chris went along with it. They called him gay all the time. And that was the thing, is that the trolls had picked up on the fact that Chris lost his ever-loving mind anytime anyone would insinuate that he himself was gay or that his Sonichu comics even had homoeroticism in it. That he, Chris would just absolutely lose his mind. Chris had absolutely zero dignity or self-respect in any other sense, really, but that was the one trigger for him. So his gal pals from Sonichu Girls Fan Club forum told him to verified that he is straight and uploaded a YouTube video. So Chris uploaded a 10-minute YouTube video proclaiming his heterosexuality. And side note, this is probably the most hilarious thing that Chris has actually done. I mean, it actually is genuinely funny. He basically says, I am straight. I am straight. And at one point, he holds up a Playboy magazine to the camera. He starts to rub the cover model's breasts. Oh, God, it's just ridiculous. Uh, you can head over to Instagram or TikTok, both, again, using the handle We Saw the Devil podcast if you want to see the actual clip. I'm making it a promo for this episode because it is ridiculous. It's sad, but if you take away the context up until now, at this point in his story, it is actually kind of funny. And I understand the ladies. I understand the women. You could, not, you could definitely see the sheer brilliance of their delightful personalities between each and every one of them. And just because they act in a harsh nature, even when they should be calm and peaceful, they still care about the men in their lives. And especially the children that she and her husband put together. Like I will be putting together with my sweetheart, my sweet panda. And we're going to give you up. I appreciate the inner beauty more than the outer beauty. But yet, I am attracted to the outer beauty as well. As the majority of my, of my gender should be able to appreciate. And Playboy has been able to help us in that sense to better relate and further our appreciation for the female species. The females, the women, the beautiful ladies. Mm. But I digress with holding a Playboy 
I still care about the women. And I even go as far as to stoop, stoop to one low level. Boobies. Vaginas. Mmm. Gorgeous. Christian Weston Chandler. I am straight. Mmm. On January 15th, Sonichu.net was restored and Chris gained all access back to it. He then changed the domain name from Sonichu.net to Sonichu.info. Now, there had been a troll in the forums and the chats that went by the name of Jason Kendrick Howell. Now, Jason Kendrick Howell is a real person. That's a real person who exists. That person actually is the one who created Chris Chan's entry on Encyclopedia Dramatica. Except it wasn't the real Jason Kendrick Howe on Sonichu.info now, you know, hanging out in the IRC chat and stuff like that. It was a random troll who knew how much he hated ED and chose that name. So on January 17th, Chris received an email from this Jason person that says, quote, my true name is Clyde Cash, the big brother of Ryan Cash. Do you understand me? And enter Clyde motherfucking Cash. Now, So much trolling has already occurred to the point that the ED page was beginning to break the trolling down into series, like the Mary Lee Walsh saga, the Megan Schroeder saga, the Sweetheart Search saga. And it's why I named the series the Chris Chan saga. So much stuff was regularly happening in the Chris Chan universe and being documented on a daily basis that it was the only sane way to keep track of it all and categorize it. So if you're ever on Reddit or 4chan, especially Reddit, even now, everyone refers to their favorite quote-unquote saga or the saddest or cruelest trolling saga. I mean, I've already been recording, and this is pre-editing, I've been recording for 43 minutes, and I've only covered four months in the life of Chris Chan. And I have skipped a lot. I'm literally picking highlights out of four months of this poor dude's life. But Clyde Cash was without a doubt one of the biggest trolls in Chris's life. He claimed to be the big brother of Ryan Cash, that fan who committed suicide. And he ended up trolling Chris solidly for three whole years. But who was this Clyde Cash? Whereas his name isn't actually known, he was the ringleader of an online group of trolls called Nemiscreants. Basically, it was just a group of random online trolls who had Chris and Chris alone in their crosshairs. There were a couple random trolls, but the main two sock accounts from the group were Clyde Cash, obviously, as well as Shigeru Miyamoto, the well-known developer for Nintendo, whom Chris Chan believed himself to be speaking to. Now, also at this time, again, we're in January 2009, Chris was still talking to Blue Spike, aka Julie at this point. Now, Julie convinced him to post yet another video to YouTube proclaiming his heterosexuality. And he did. He did it again. In this one, though, he tells the viewers to kiss his foot if they believe otherwise, and then he stomps on a small sex toy, a vibrator, that he got as a free gift from AdamandEve.com when he bought one of his blow-up sex dolls. That video of him stomping and breaking a vibrator as he's telling people to kiss his foot, he's straight began to make the rounds on 4chan, Encyclopedia Dramatica, and pretty much the entirety of the internet. I mean, that is one, for 2009, that was a solid classic video that was making its rounds. 
Clyde Cash then decided to up his game and hacked into Chris's AOL account. He pretended to be Chris and sent emails to supposed Nintendo contacts claiming that he was gay and coming out of the closet. Again, Clyde Cash hacked into Chris's AOL account, pretended to be Chris, emailed Clyde Cash. So he emailed himself an email while pretending to be Chris saying that, hey, I'm gay and I'm coming out of the closet. I just wanted you to know. Chris, of course, lost his shit, made a couple of YouTube videos about it. But the miscreants group, as well as all of the trolls, there's Julie, a.k.a. Blue Spike, there was Cogsdev. All of these trolls formed kind of this unholy alliance. What is that saying? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. They all formed this alliance for trolling. They decided to work together to troll Chris. So they created a private forum called the Private Villa of Corrupted Citizens, which is the call out to the evil company in Chris's Sonichu comics. There, they would discuss their plans and collaborate on different ways to troll Chris, what kind of information they wanted from him. Uh, They also orchestrated almost all interactions and conversations that took place between the SOC accounts. I mean, they would make kind of attack plans of, I'm going to get on this chat. You come in. I'll message you privately when you need to come in. And as Julie or as Sarah, they were quite literally pulling a whole operation on Chris. At its height, the Private Villa of Corrupted Citizens, the new group, had over 50 members in it who were involved with trolling Chris. In mid-January, Chris and his family received an actual death threat on their home telephone. Chris immediately blamed it on Clyde because Clyde had been going into the IRC chats and whatnot, and he was blaming Chris for the death of his brother. He was saying that he wasn't sorry and that his video that he had made, uh, because, of course, Chris made a YouTube video apologizing and saying that he was sorry to hear that Ryan killed himself. In that YouTube video, Chris said that his dog died and he was sad too, but that Clyde would find a girlfriend who would make him happier than his now dead brother did when he was alive. It came off as pretty heartless to a lot of people. A couple days later in an IRC chat, Chris was talking to his quote-unquote fan base when Clyde Cash showed up. He then began an exchange with Chris over the tone-deaf video that he'd made about Ryan. Then a neutral appeared going by the handle Billy Mays. And yes, I am talking about this Billy Mays. But I'm not done yet. And in this IRC chat, Billy Mays spoke in all caps like he was yelling the entire time. And I actually find that kind of funny. But they both went in on Chris. They called him horrible names. They told him that he was gay, uh, especially due to the fact that he would wear his own mother's underwear. Chris's response to this, he responded with, quote, I have numbers of pairs of dirty crapped briefs. So Chris then admitted to the entirety of the internet for a second time that he had anal leakage issues. Chris's romantic gal pal Sarah then joined and began to defend Chris, along with a new character, Ignatius J. Riley, Ph.D., the founder of the website gay for sonichu Ignatius immediately joined the IRC chat and began to ask Chris why he hated his gay fans. Ignatius claimed that he had written a college thesis titled Heterosexual Homoeroticism in Internet Subcultures, a case study, and that it was going to be published in a future issue of the Journal of Gay and Lesbian Subculture Studies. He even claimed that gay Sonichu fans had pulled money together to create a massive gay Sonichu float for San Francisco's Gay Pride Parade, which he provided a photoshopped image of. Ignatius told Chris that he had inspired many gays by creating the Sonichu comics and that Sonichu was the hottest thing on Castro Street. 
Chris absolutely lost his mind in anger. He said, get it through your thick skulls as you fucking possibly can. I am fucking straight for women, their vaginas, their breasts, and most importantly, I am straight for their individual sweetness. The next day, Chris and Clyde were in the IRC chat, and here's where it starts to get dark. Chris was once again telling Clyde, hey, life is worth living. Don't give up. Your brother would want you to live and not be sad. Suddenly, Panda Halo appeared, Chris's sweetheart. She immediately says, Chris, I have something serious to talk to you. I was raped. Clyde responds to Panda and says, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Panda Halo then makes the claim that Clyde traveled from the United States to Australia, that she decided to meet him in the city because she wanted to make him happy after, you know, his brother's death, and that he raped her. She then became pregnant as a result of that sexual assault. Chris went totally silent in the IRC chat and watched as Panda and Clyde talked about the rape. Clyde admitted to it, talking to Panda. I'm not going to leave you alone. I want to take care of it. I want to have a family. And Clyde offered to travel to Australia to move in with her and take care of the baby. Panda told Clyde that he was sweet for a rapist and asked Chris if this scenario bothered him. Chris showed absolutely no concern or remorse or upset at this revelation and said that his heart was true. Sarah Panda was his sweetheart and that he would take care of her. Sarah then decided to give Chris an ultimatum. Chris either make Sonichu famous worldwide and get lots of money, become a billionaire and take care of me. If you do so, I will hand my baby over to Clyde and come move in with you in America. If you fail, then I will move in with Clyde and be his sweetheart instead. Chris was so enraged by this that he left the chat. Chris remained offline for four days, and he returned claiming that he had traveled to Redmond, Washington, and met with the Nintendo executives. He said that the Sonichu project was progressing. A few days later, he posted another YouTube video admitting that that was an outright lie. And out of nowhere, a new troll persona from Clyde Cash appeared, posing as a Nintendo employee, Reggie fees May, and canceled the project entirely. Chris was devastated, then angry, and unsurprisingly took to YouTube to show and portray his feeling of betrayal and rage. And he turns to Julie to feel better. Now, recall Panda Halo, aka Sarah, was supposed to be his sweetheart. She lived in Australia, supposedly, and Sarah was his sweetheart. But he's also been having constant phone sex and chats with Julie. So he goes to Julie and he's like, hey, let's get on Mumble a voice chat app that used to be super popular with gamers. Their first chat on Mumble starts out innocent enough, but then Chris attempts to engage Julie in phone sex. And there's audio of this. It's readily available online. And I'm not going to play it here for reasons that I will explain at the end of this episode, but file that away and keep that in mind. Now, quote unquote, Julie goes along with Chris's attempts at phone sex and sex speak, but it's very clear that she's uncomfortable and really wants nothing to do with it. Keep in mind that there are other people in this live chat, too. Chris was not just alone in a private chat on Mumble with Julie. Clyde Cash then shows up. Chris and Clyde have a nasty exchange with Clyde saying that his cousin Vivian, as in Vivian Gee, the artist that Chris had been talking to, that his cousin Vivian had been trying to help Chris but that Chris is hopeless and doesn't want to do better. He then hits on Julie in front of Chris and tells Chris that he won't hurt Julie if he admits that he's gay. 
Chris made the following video and immediately posted it to YouTube. Anyway, the, uh, anyway, so to get to the point, fine. I'm good. I'm gay. I'm gay. I said it. The next day, there's a second mumble chat with Clyde and Chris, where Clyde tells Chris to make a second video that it's not good enough. I'll play that now. Uh, simply put, and I'm willing to say this inside mind and body, I am a Gabian. Yep, you heard me. I am a Gabian. A male lesbian. Thank you. In response to the second video, Chris Clyde tells Chris that he needs to show his love for Julie by destroying unnecessary possessions because his room was unpresentable. I want to destroy every possession that you'd love to give up for Julie. That will show you your dedication for Julie. Uh, Material goods is nothing you need to hold on in this moral world. And you have tons of stuff. It is only when you lose everything is when you're free to do anything. You gotta show Julie you goddamn care about her. Sell your shit or destroy your shit. Just do something. Make your room look presentable. I mean, Christ almighty. You still look like a child. I'm young at heart. Everybody has to grow up. In response to the second video, Clyde Cash tells Chris that, hey bro, you need to show your love for Julie by destroying all of your unnecessary possessions, selling it, whatever, because your room is not presentable. You need to make your room presentable. It looks like a child's room. And he wasn't wrong about that. Chris admitted that he had spent over $10,000 on video games and collectibles in just the last couple of years. Clyde then asked him, name five household bills that you help with as a 27-year-old man living at home with your parents. Chris couldn't even name a single bill. He had no idea what bills were even being paid in the house. Clyde doubled down on the fact that his house was nasty. Chris Chan's room, the backdrop for most of his videos, it was cluttered beyond belief. I mean, it really looks like it was out of an episode of Hoarders. Thousands of little pieces of collectibles and action figures and so forth. I mean, Chris pretty much had a place to sit and that was about it. Maybe a little bit of a walkway. So Chris then made a YouTube video claiming that he had met Clyde's demands. In reality, he had recorded but not uploaded a short clip of himself trying to break a free anal vibrator that he had gotten from adamandeve.com, pretty much just like pulled it apart and didn't actually destroy it. The next day, he returned to Mumble to talk to Julie and Clyde. Clyde began to question, again, his life goals and spending habits. After Chris signs off, numerous trolls unmute themselves and admit that they had been present and recording the entire thing all along. And that's where we're going to stop the episode today because the next thing that happens in the Chris saga is so fucked up and so dark. If I had my way, there would be legal charges associated with it, but it's going to take up most of the next episode. So we're going to stop here today. And y'all, this episode just covered a single month in Chris Chan's life, January of 2009. And to put just how sad and tragic this entire story is, every single person who Chris Chan communicated with, Blanca, Vivian, Julie, Clyde, Panda Halo, 
all of the Sonichu fangirls uh, from the forum, like Sarah and Cassie, every single one of them was a troll. And it was in January of 2009 when they pretty much came from all parts of the internet, all walks of life, and decided to work together to torment and bully Chris for their own personal entertainment. I mean, it's sincerely heartbreaking to witness. But here's one of the darkest pieces, and I'm just going to go ahead and spoiler alert all over this. Chris spent hours every night masturbating and having phone sex with his supposed sweetheart number two, Julie. Now, Chris didn't know it yet, but the voice on the other end of the line wasn't a 20-something-year-old girl named Julie. In fact, it wasn't even a girl. It was a 13-year-old boy. Chris, a 27-year-old man, was unwittingly having phone sex and sending videos of himself having sex with blow-up dolls and masturbating and nude pictures of himself to a 13-year-old child. Julie, aka Blue Spike, a 13-year-old boy, would end up being one of the most evil and demented trolls in the entirety of the Chris Chan saga. There is a conversation that I'm going to be playing in uh, either the next episode or the one after it. It's one of the most notorious instances of bullying of Chris Chan um, by any troll. And we're talking, we have hundreds come, like we literally have like a hundred trolls coming up. And this 13 year old boy was so demented, trolling turned into sadism. And then that eventually became extreme sexual and emotional abuse. Basically of someone who has the mental capacity of a six year old child. It is truly horrifying to think that there are children out there that are this sadistic and cruel and hateful. And obviously, yes, I know they exist. But the audio will be played in one of the uh, upcoming episodes and you guys will completely understand. But again, at this point, Chris has no idea that he is talking to a child. But that's it for today, guys. Again, next episode is coming out tomorrow and that is going to be a news talk with Iris talking about the Carly Russell case the heinous incident with a newborn and the delivery that happened last week, as well as the Montgomery, Alabama brawl. So that's it for today, guys. Thank you again for listening. I'm your host, Robin. Don't forget to check us out on TikTok as we are officially there. You can find the handle. We saw the devil podcast. We're on Instagram and TikTok under that handle. And the website is we saw the Until next crime.